following message is from the North Shore Christian Centre MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about North Shore Christian Centre is available at www.nscc.org.au. Well, look, I've been praying for the church while I was away. And uh, just in coming back, I really felt God say to me that the second half of 2011 will be a season of miracles in our church. How many of you are willing to receive that? Second half of 2011 is going to be a season of miracles in our church. How many of you need a miracle? Are there, are there many people that need a miracle? Does anybody need a breakthrough or, or a God intervention? We can call it a miracle or a breakthrough or a God intervention, but do you need God to come into your situation and do something specific that you can't do? Because if that's the case then you're a prime candidate for God to come your way and give you a miracle. I, I really believe that what God's told me to do is to create an atmosphere in the second half of this year to see miracles nurtured in our midst. I thank God for the grace that God gives us while we're in a test. And how many of you have gone through tests? How many of you right now in the middle of a test? And, and, and the beautiful thing about it is that God does give you grace. And I love the fact that God gives us grace. And, and, and God did the same to Paul. You know, when, God, when Paul was going through his test, God says, my grace is sufficient for you. And I appreciate the fact that God gives us grace, but I love it more when God breaks through and, and takes away the need for the grace so we can have a miracle. Does anybody else say, thank you, Lord, for that? So, so l l let me give you one specific word from Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 3, that says this. Though it, it's talking about the vision, though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. It will not tarry. Wait for it. It will surely come. Come on, church. Don't lose hope. And so what I want to do today is that I, I want to share with you three steps to a miracle. And I want to share with you what the three steps are to a miracle and create an atmosphere, a platform on which to build faith for the weeks to come, the months to come, so that you can see your breakthrough. Amen? Are you ready for it? If you have your Bibles, would you open up to Mark chapter 2? And while you're opening up to Mark chapter 2, I just want to share with you that throughout the New Testament, we find on many occasions Jesus commending the faith exhibited by certain people. How many of you remember that? On many occasions, Jesus commended the faith that people exhibited. And what I want to do today is to have a look at three of these illustrations and draw from them the common denominators that Jesus commended. What was it? that Jesus said? What was it that he saw in these people that caused him to comment, that caused him to say, wow, great is your faith, or your faith has healed you, your faith has saved you, your faith has set you free, your faith has given you the breakthrough. What was it? What was it that he saw? What are the common denominators? And so today I'm going to share with you just from three scriptures what were the common denominators? Come on, let's read, first of all, from Mark chapter 2, the first five verses. I love this story. It's one of my favorite stories. 
And it says this, And again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him bringing a paralytic, a paralyzed man who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith. I want us to stop on that for a moment. Because he saw their faith. Then he says to the paralytic man, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Then I want you to turn to Mark chapter 5, verse 34. And this is the story of the woman who had the issue of blood for 12 years. In other words, for 12 years, she had a flow of blood that would not abate. Imagine that for 12 years, having a constant flow of blood. This is what it says in verse 34 of chapter 5. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. And then the third story that I want to focus on is right at the end of Mark. Mark chapter 10. It's the story of Bartimaeus. What a wonderful story it is. And again, I I think all these three stories, I would have to say are probably my favorites, the whole three of them. But I just love the story of Bartimaeus. And in, Bar- in, in, in Mark chapter 10, verse 52, Jesus says to Bartimaeus, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Three stories, three comments on people's faith, three commendations on their faith. What was it that they did that caused Jesus to comment? What was it that Jesus saw in these three stories that we can gain some truth from so that we can increase our faith? So let's look at the first story. I want to say right from the beginning that the first factor, the first step in getting a miracle, the first thing that Jesus saw was vision. Everybody say vision. The four men that went to get their friend went to get their friend because they had a vision of their friend healed. They saw Jesus and the works that Jesus was doing and something then gripped their heart and said, if we can get our friend here, we can believe that Jesus can heal him. And I saw a vision of our friend healed. Now what we've got to do is get him here. But it starts off with a vision. The first step in a miracle is to accept the possibility of a miracle. Can I just say that again? The first step in a miracle is to accept the possibility of a miracle. And I really believe that one of the biggest areas that we need to break through is the area of vision, the area where we can begin to see the divine possibility over the natural circumstance. 
If you accept the inevitable without a possibility of divine intervention, then it makes it difficult for a miracle to occur. And so many people, they just sit on what the natural prognosis is. Whatever is said to them as, well, this is the case. This is the natural prognosis. That's what they accept. That's what they live with and live for. But people that want a miracle see beyond the natural into the supernatural. They see beyond what is normal and go into the God factor and begin to see what God is able to do. What do you see when you start to think about your future? Because I want to say to you that there are two art galleries that you can go to. There is the art gallery of the enemy. And he paints a picture for you. When you enter his art gallery, he will have pictures of your future. And the pictures that he paints of your future are all death, destruction, negative, worst case scenarios. Then there's God's art gallery. And when you go into God's art gallery, he's painted pictures for you. And they're pictures of breakthrough. They're pictures of miracles. They're pictures of success. There's pictures of divine intervention. And you need to work out whose art gallery you're going to visit. Because I want to say to you that the enemy, he's constantly there saying, come into my art gallery. Let me show you what your future looks like. Let me show you what I have in store for you. And yet God is at his door saying, why don't you come into my art gallery? Because I've painted pictures of hope. I've painted pictures of your future. I've painted pictures of what your future is going to look like. Come and see what I have in store for you. Come and see what my purpose says, ah, for your life, come into my art gallery and enjoy the pictures that I've painted for you. Where's your vision today? Where's your vision going? Because I want to say to you that unless you listen to messages like this all the time, the natural inclination will be to go into the enemy's art gallery. Because it's like the forces of this world are constantly pushing there, pushing there. Some of you, you know, I, I love doctors. How many doctors do we have here today? I love doctors. And I think it's wonderful to have doctors that help us. But you know that most doctors can only work with the natural realm. And so never let the doctor's word be the last word. Because the doctor's word can only be the last word of the natural realm. They don't operate outside of the natural realm. And so say to the doctor, thank you, but I am not going to let your last word dictate to me my future. I'm going to let God's word dictate to me my future. And so don't let the enemy's word paint the picture of what your future is going to look like. They will want to do that, but don't allow it because God has the last word. Turn to somebody and say, God's got the last word. <clears throat> I 
The second, the second factor that these men had, besides vision, they saw a vision of their friend healed. The second factor that they had was passion. Everybody say passion. Oh, I love passion. Mainly because I'm Italian. Italian men are passionate. But I love passion. When you come to this church, you come to hear a passionate preacher. Amen. Even if I'm struggling with the flu, there's still passion. Glory to God. Huh? I love passion. And these four men had passion. My goodness, they had passion. What is passion? Passion says, I am not going to let circumstance dictate the rules to me. I'm going to let vision dictate the rules, not circumstance. And so their vision was, we see our friend before Jesus, and we see Jesus healing our friend. We can see it. We got the picture. We've gone into God's art gallery. We saw what God had in store for our friend. Now, what we've got to do is do our best to make this happen. And so what happened is that they went to get their friend. And folks, let me tell you that, that there will always be obstacles to your miracle. How many of you know that? There were obstacles. There will always be obstacles. These guys did six things. The first thing that they did is they went to get their friend. They just didn't sit down somewhere and say, well, let's pray for our friend. Oh, Father, please heal our friend. Okay, that's done. Let's move on. No, they said, let's go get him. Now, how many of you know that to get a paralyzed man is not easy business? Mainly because paralyzed people have a lot of fear. Let me tell you something. I've, I, I've, I've worked with paralyzed people. And because they are so limited in what they can do, they want to stay within a comfort zone. It's, I'm, I'm not being critical of them. I'm just saying that, that they just, because they're not able to do what you're able to do, they, they want to feel safe. And in feeling safe, they create a little zone for themselves and, and they feel safe in that zone. When you come along and say, hey, we're going to get you healed. Come out of your zone and we're going to take you to Jesus. You are automatically going to say, whoa, hang on here. I'm not feeling comfortable. You're pushing me out of my comfort zone. And they had to convince their friend. So what do they do? They say, listen, what we've got to do is that we're going to make a stretcher for you. You stay on your bed and, and we will lift you. How many of you know that any paralyzed person isn't going to take two easily to someone lifting them on either because they're going to be put out of place and so their attitude was no 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 we'll look after you they had to talk him into it but their passion convinced him so then then what they've got you can imagine this guy he's he's pretty he's pretty timid He's pretty tenuous. He, he, he hasn't had the same revelation that the friends have had. He maybe hasn't seen the Jesus that they've seen. He's just resting on their word. They're coming down the street, these four guys carrying this guy, and all of a sudden they find the crowd. So what do you do? They can't budge the crowd. Everybody's pressed in. And so they say, hey, listen, we have got a plan. 
we're going to take you to the roof of the house. Now, this paralyzed guy, he's having enough kittens just being carried on the floor, on the road, let alone, how do you get him on top of the roof? Uh, he's already saying, I want to go home. Uh, I've had enough. Uh, 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 thank you very much for the excursion, but just take me back to my comfort zone. Take me back to where I feel comfortable. And so these passionate guys wouldn't take no for an answer. These passionate guys, their passion was so strong that they weren't going to be deterred by a couple of obstacles, by a couple of negative factors. And so they said, okay, what we'll do, we've got a plan. What's the plan? Well, I don't know if we want to tell you the plan because you'll, you, you, because what we're going to do is this. We're going to, we're going to take you to the roof. I, I guarantee they weren't going to tell him. I, I guarantee they got into a corner and they made up the plan themselves and said, we'd better not tell Joe Blow because he, he, he'll pack out. He, he, he'll absolutely pike out because their plan was we're going to take him to the top of the roof. Then what we're going to do is we're going to vandalize the roof of this house. We're going to rip the roof off. And then what we're going to do is that we're going to find some ropes. We're going to tie it to the bed and we're going to lower that bed down. Hello. How many of you can imagine this paralyzed guy saying, great plan, boys. Yeah, I'm in for that. <laughs> um, he's packing. He's absolutely wanting to back out of there as quickly as possible. But these guys, you know the story. That's exactly what they did. Why did they do all of that? Because they were passionate. Can I just say to you that when Jesus saw their passion, he said, I see faith here. So the first thing they had was vision. The second thing they had was passion. The third thing they had was unwavering belief. Everybody say unwavering belief. These four men didn't give up until their friend was healed. See, sometimes what happens is that we get to a halfway point and then it just becomes too hard and we back down. Sometimes we start our journey of faith. And, you know, we start with vision. We start with passion. But after a while, it just gets too hard. We've been believing for ages. We've been confessing for such a long time. And then it just gets too hard and it becomes easier to settle into the status quo. It becomes easier to settle into a corner and say, well, one day, one day when God wills, one day when God wills, one day when God wills. See, I, I really believe that unwavering belief pushes in and says, I don't give up until the answer comes. I don't give up. I don't waver. I don't waver. See, the third step to a miracle is to show unwavering faith. There's lots of opportunities to give up. But what unwavering belief is, it persists. It won't let the vision die. Folks, some of you over the years have just, it's become too grievous to hang on to the vision. Because what happens with us is that disappointment can create a sick heart. And when there's this belief, 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 and nothing happens, and nothing happens, 
it's much easier to stop believing than to persist. But, but I believe that one of the things that's required in faith is unwavering belief that says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Even though this thing has taken forever, I'm still going to keep believing. I'm still going to keep believing. So we've got people like Francis Vesodi that's been in a wheelchair now for over 10 years. But you know what? Every time there's an opportunity for prayer, Francis comes forward. And every time she comes forward, we pray for her. Why do we pray for her? Because we have faith. And she has faith. And we keep praying. We keep praying. Now, what's happened over the years is there's lots of people that have come to this altar. They've come sick. They've been healed. They've gone back. They're well. How wonderful for them. Francis can become so so tired of seeing others healed and her not being healed that it can almost take away your faith and say, well, how come others always get healed and I don't? Well, this unwavering faith is the thing that God looks to us. And you know what my attitude is? Until God gives you a word that he's not going to heal you, keep persisting. Because God's last word was, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I set my word to heal them. And so if that's God's last word, then don't back down until God then changes the word. And so if God gives you a word saying, I won't heal you, then okay, you can back down if God tells you that. But if you haven't had a word to say God won't heal you, then his last word is, I will heal you. So hang on to that word until you get a different word. And don't change your faith until you've received a different word. Because what can happen is that our disappointment can cause us to back down. And what all these people did was that they had unwavering faith. Unwavering faith. And I love these these four guys because there was opportunity for them to back down. Opportunity after opportunity. But they persisted right to the end. They persisted right to the end of lowering their friend in front of Jesus. And they had no guarantee that Jesus would be happy with them. How would you feel if you're in the middle of your sermon, someone wrecks the roof of your auditorium, of your house? Okay, they're up there with chainsaws or whatever. They wreck in the auditorium. You're in the middle of your sermon and they lower a stretcher in front of you right when you're about to make your main point. Uh, you know, how would you feel about that? They had no guarantee that Jesus would be saying, you bunch of idiots, what are you doing wrecking the place? Instead, Jesus was happy when he saw their faith. He goes, hey, I'm stopping everything. You guys, you, you, you get absolutely center of attention here. They had no guarantee of that, but they persisted right through to the end. I love that. When you come then to the story of the woman with the issue of blood, you see she had the exact three factors. Her vision was, I've got to be healed. I want to be healed. I believe that Jesus can heal me. And so she woke up this particular day with a vision. And the vision was this. If I can only just touch the hem of his garment, if I can only just touch the tip of his garment, I'm going to be healed. She woke up with that vision. What's the second thing that she had? Was passion. Well, how did she show a passion? Well, number one, she showed a passion of wanting to be healed that she spent all that she had on doctors. 
She desperately wanted to be better. She used all of her finances. Well, you can read about it in Mark chapter 5. The Bible tells us that she spent all that she had on doctors. That showed her passion. She desperately wanted to be better. But on this particular day, she exited her house to go through the crowds. And you've got to understand that in Jewish culture, any woman with an issue of blood, and we're talking about a woman's monthly period, was considered unclean when she had her monthly period. And she was not allowed to be amongst people, but to be separated for whatever reason. That was, that was the story. But here she is. She's pushing her way through the crowds, risking the scorn of people. Why was she willing to risk the scorn of people? Because she was passionate for healing. She shoved and she pushed her way through the crowds. She saw him and she thought, all I've got to do is just reach out and touch the hem of his garment. Through passion, she persisted. She shoved, she elbowed, she did whatever she had to do to get through that crowd to touch the hem of his garment. And when she did, something happened. That was that unwavering faith. Something happened. Can I just say to you, that nothing will happen until you reach the end of what you can do. Because when you reach the end of what you can do, you actually come to the beginning of what he can do. And if you haven't reached the end of what you can do, then you haven't come to the beginning of what he can do. And that's the difference with too many people, is that they, their passion hasn't brought them to the end of what they can do. There's still plenty that they can do. And passion says, what can you do? Are you doing all that you can? Because if you're not, then you're in a comfort zone. And you're saying, well, God, when you're ready, you just come and do whatever you want to do, and I'm ready, and, and that's fine, and everything. But passion says, no, what can I do? Do I need to create a hole in the roof? Do I need to get out of my house and press through the crowd? What do I need to do? When she reached the end of where she could go, she touched the hem of his garment, and there was something that happened when she got to the end of what she could do. She touched the beginning of what God could do, and that's when the miracle flowed and God and Jesus felt something leave him. She says, who touched me? And when she said it was me, he says, oh, woman, great is your faith. Great is your faith. And then the story of Bartimaeus. How many of you love that story? And, and here we see the healing of, of blind Bartimaeus, but we see the same three factors, vision, passion, unwavering belief. Here's this blind man. Something's happening in the city. What's happening? Jesus is coming through. Jesus is walking through Jericho. I've heard of Jesus. He's healed blind people before. I've heard of Jesus. He's able to set the captives free. What Bartimaeus didn't realize was that this was the last time Jesus was walking through Jericho. This was really his last opportunity to be healed by Jesus. He didn't know that. But something within him saw a vision of a blind man being healed. Oh, and he so desired that. He so wanted that. He didn't see a vision of a man, perpetual blindness. He saw a vision of a man healed. 
And so he began to call out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the people told him, would you be quiet? Stop making such a noise. But what does passion do? Passion yells out louder. That's what I love about Barty. I love that about Barty is that he was not going to be shut up by any means. Uh, would you be quiet? Are you kidding me? Be quiet. This, must, this might be my last opportunity of getting healed. Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me. You're making a fool of yourself. Everybody's looking at you. What is that? Making a fool of yourself. Everybody's looking at you. How many of you know that passion doesn't care about anything? Huh? I remember one day being in the car with Anne. We weren't even married. We were just still boyfriend, girlfriend. And she said to me, how much do you love me? And I said, with all of my heart. And she said, prove it. So we were in traffic. It was, it was absolute log, just, it was jammed. So I wound down the window of the car, and back in those days it was still wind down windows. And I began to shout out, I love Ed Morgan! I love Ed Morgan! She said, Shh, I believe you, be quiet, I believe you. <laughs> Passion makes you do ridiculous things. Now, I know that some of you guys are in trouble now because your wives will say, you can do that to me. <laughs> so next traffic jam, watch out. I'm going to hear a lot of love stories. That's, that's awesome. But I mean, passion makes you do ridiculous things. What about the passion to be healed? How ridiculous are you willing to look at a passion to be healed? Because Bartimaeus couldn't care less what people said about him. And he kept yelling until Jesus heard him. And when Jesus heard him, he said, bring him to me. Bang, he took up his cloak. Oh, my day has come. Oh, I've opened the door for a miracle. <laughs> so Bartimaeus, what do you want from me? Oh, Jesus, I want to see. Bartimaeus, be it done to you according to your faith. Unwavering as it was. Bang, his eyes were opened. Folks, can you see that in these three stories, the three common denominators that brought a miracle to them was number one, they all had vision. Number two, they all had passion. What I mean by passion is doing what you can do. It's getting to the end of what you can do. Because when you get to the end of what you can do, can do you think, let, let me ask you a question. Do you think if Bartimaeus had not continued crying out, do you think he would have got his miracle? I think that story would never have been mentioned in the Bible because there was more that he could do. He didn't quite get to the end. He'd only got maybe a third of the way or, or, or two-thirds of the way. He had to keep crying out, calling out. And when he got to the end, that's when he found the beginning of what God could do. And can I just say to you that that for you, sometimes you just got to get to the end of what you can do. Have you done all that you can? Or are you wavering at the moment? Because the Bible says that let not a man 
think that he can attain anything from God if he wavers in his faith. He is like the waves of the sea tossed to and fro by the wind. That's found in James chapter 1, verse 6. So if your faith is wavering, if your faith is, is, is maybe God can, maybe God can't, maybe God will, maybe God won't, you know, and, and you waver like that, then that's a blockage to your miracle. But this persistence and passion and unwavering belief that God can, and because God can, I will persist right to the end until I get to the hem of his garment, until he says, stop, I hear you cry, until the roof is opened and the man has dropped down into the very, very face of Jesus. I'm not going to stop until I get the breakthrough. I believe when we get there, then we actually create an atmosphere for miracles. Can you come, Elizabeth, and just play something for me? I'm just about through. I just want to finish today by saying this. Some of the enemy's biggest weapons against your faith is discouragement, setbacks, and a negative report. And some of you are struggling right now with discouragement. Some of you have hang on to faith and you've believed and you believed and you believed, but somehow discouragement has just come your way and you're saying, God, I'm just tired. I believed and I believed, but I've not seen the miracle and now I'm tired. You know, it's at moments like this that you need the church. You need us to encourage you and to say, hang in there because God is not a man that he should lie. Hang in there despite the discouragement because God will come through. He's not a man that he should lie. He will come through. Some of you might have just heard a negative report. You believed and you believed and you believed and all of a sudden you get a phone call, you get a letter, you get something and it just sets your faith back. You just hear bad news and a bad report. Folks, how many of you know that that's the enemy saying, come into my art gallery and let me show you what I want for you. That bad report, that negative report is just wanting to steal your faith from you. And that's what causes wavering. The negative report will always cause wavering. But how many of you are saying, well, that might be the case, but God's word still stands. That might be the case, but God's word is yea and amen. And God's word is here and forever. And heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will last forever. I'm not going to go into the enemy's art room for me, into his art gallery, but I'm going to go and spend some time in God's art gallery and look at the pictures on God's wall for me. I'm going to meditate upon the vision that God has for me because I'm not going there. Can I just say to you that if you put those factors into place, then that will... Kickstart your faith. Now, kickstart your, your whole attitude to faith and God's ability to break through for you. And this morning, God's saying to you, hang in there. Don't give up. There's an atmosphere that we're creating for breakthrough. There's an atmosphere for miracles. 
There's an atmosphere that God is wanting to create for you. Because I, I really believe that in the second half of 2011, we're going to see more miracles than we've ever seen before. God is speaking to us and saying, miracles are coming. Miracles are coming. Miracles like rain. It's going to fall from heaven. It's coming to your place. It's coming to your house. It's coming to your life. It's coming to your family. It's coming to your loved ones. Miracles from heaven. Because God is a supernatural Amen. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Thanks for listening to this message from the North Shore Christian Centre Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at www.nscc.org.au. Through our website, you can keep up to date with what's happening in the life of our church in Chatswood, New South Wales, as well as accessing other free resource materials. 